super special podcast. I have with me today, Michael from Wakelet, and I we also have some really special guests with us, Shay and Pav. We are so excited to hear from them. You're going to hear what they're doing with students, what they're doing with podcasting. You're going to hear about some really exciting projects that they are working on. So let's get started. So, Absolutely. Michael, I'm going to give you the microphone and you get to ask the first question. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to be doing this session with you all today. I think this is a topic of conversation that hasn't been explored too much, certainly uh, from our side at Wakelet, but maybe in EdTech generally. So I think the best question to start with is how did it all start for you guys? When did you start podcasting and how did you have the idea to bring podcasting into the classroom? Thank you so much, Michael, for that question. Um, actually, podcasting for us started with the students. It wasn't necessarily something um, that we thought would make a great addition to the students. It was almost as if you know our podcast was started because of our students. Uh, so we did get started in um, about May of 2019, so just prior to the pandemic beginning. Um, and we were involved, uh, a friend of mine who had a podcast that had nothing to do with education. It was a real estate podcast. Um, he and I grew up together and he knew that I was teaching in the same school that, um, or in the same community where we went to school ourselves. And he wanted to do something to give back to the community. And, and, and I suggested, how about uh, helping us teach students about podcasting? Like you have a great podcast. We don't really know anything about it. Um, but we're sure that this would tie in really well with uh, Che and his class were doing Genius Hour at the time. And we thought that this would make a great culminating task for Genius Hour. And so we brought this idea of what is podcasting to the students. So we all sort of learned about what podcasting is and how to make a podcast. And uh, Jazz, who was uh, my friend, had um, had a studio and had like graphic designers and all kinds of great people that were helping with creating their podcast. So they introduced all of this to us. And so we did this great recording of podcasts with the students. And then Che and myself, we were like, that was a lot of fun. That was really cool. Why don't you and I kind of dabble with this ourselves just on the education side of things? And, and so that was where the Staff Room Podcast was born. That was uh, when we started our podcast. It was called the Staff Room Podcast. We've now changed the name to the Chain Pav Show uh, to sort of reflect, with, uh, to sort of align with the rest of our content. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've been podcasting since August of 2019, and it has just been a complete ride, roller coaster ride. So many, so many great uh, highs along the way, and and it's led to so much more podcasting, and then again reciprocated back into the classroom as we are now uh, teaching yeah. students, our students, how to podcast, and we've taken that presentation. Uh, with us to many different parts of North America as well. So that's that's sort of our beginnings with podcasting for ourselves and for the students. Right. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible journey. Uh, che, how do you look back on it now? Oh, when I look back on it, I think Pav, as always, hits all the important points. And there's really just, I'm just here to add a few anecdotal jokes to make it continue to flow. Sounds good. Um, Great. <laughs> uh, when I think of this journey, I think, Pav, is that we've had this conversation on a podcast. It's about consuming, engaging, and then creating content. And then I originally thought, well, that's the end. You've created content. The Pav highlights there. Then it, it's going back into the cycle. But then you're going back into the cycle with a little bit more nuanced poignancy of what it is that you want to do. So we look back 
back to that original student podcast and say they inspired us and I would call the the journey an emotional journey you had that it ignited that flame but when we've come back around now to go along with sort of the passion and the excitement of a podcast we have a lot more foundational knowledge to sort of anticipate where problems might arise or to be able to try something a little bit more um, different or courageous in our podcasting journey so when you think about going full circle you're still on a growth so you go through sort of that pattern of, I'm consuming content I'm engaging with content I'm creating content and then when you start again when you're consuming content you're looking for something different so as a podcaster viewer to begin with it's like oh I just want to be entertained but now when I go back to a, a podcast I'm listening for a few other things that make the the listening journey uh, that much more appreciative so um the the cycle continues and but it's always rising in the in the in the continuum and so when we look back to oh we're doing student podcasts again it's not just doing it again it's doing it again with a lot more knowledge and wisdom and a lot more curiosity to drive it even further yeah and i can imagine it gives us a lot of perspective having your own experience hosting a podcast when you introduce it to students and they kind of get their first taste of, of the podcasting world i'd say it's a uh, definitely really helpful to understand exactly what uh, they're experiencing when they're doing it inside the classroom so that sounds awesome you know what I love about what you both said? And I was just thinking of this because I've also, I started doing podcasting with my students <laughs> during the pandemic. So mm -hmm. I had this ambitious goal in the fall of 2019 to do podcasting with my students in the spring of 2020, not knowing what was going to be coming our way. And my students were really the ones that said, no, we're still going to do this. But as you were talking about your experience and kind of how you've grown in that journey, I started thinking about design thinking, that design thinking process. And that was something that I worked really hard with my students on teaching them you know, it's not going to be perfect the first time and that's okay. Um, we're going to continue to refine this process over and over. And that sounds exactly like what you guys are doing, but also what you're modeling for your students. So I, I really, really admire that. I think it's a huge, um, like you said, it's a risk to go out there and try to do something new. It's scary. The students are, my students were a little bit scared of doing that. Um, but once they realized that it was okay, that it wasn't perfect, they really grew a lot. And so did I as well. Um, so audio apps have just really, I've noticed in the last couple of years, especially in 2020, because we were all on lockdown, audio apps have rapidly been evolving. So Clubhouse, Twitter spaces, I also saw LinkedIn and Facebook are going to have um, some aspect of that. So what do you believe contributes to the popularity of those audio spaces? And how do you believe and that audio space might evolve or shape education in the future? Oh, this question is deep. There's lots of places we can go with this. And I think of, of Paz's podcast experience. It, it also is a journey of self-actualization. And it's an understanding of where, what are the methodologies and pedagogies that are being reinforced through podcasting. And often when we come, I'll come back to literacy, Pav and I have done a lot of disruption of our own literacy pedagogies where we realized we were trapped in a very colonial hierarchy of literacies and our curriculum and our standards love writing and reading, but oral content isn't necessarily honored as much. It's a secondary thought. But then when you think about inclusive education, well, who is able to benefit when writing and reading are put at the top of this hierarchy and who are erased or whose experience and whose cultures aren't validated when we don't 
honor oral communication, audio content. And so Pav and I became very passionate about honoring audio content as an equal to reading and writing in our language programs. And we wanted to say we were not adding it as an add-on or as an extension. We, we realized Pav and I speak, teach in a completely racialized community with very rich, diverse cultures. And we saw that reading and writing, of course, it's still important. It's not to... to diminish it, diminish it. It's to realize that our oral content create uh, storytelling are culturally ingrained for how communities have passed on knowledge and wisdoms. So that was really important to us as a foundation is making sure in our curriculum and in our teachings, we had sort of a position. How did we position ourselves? This is about honoring oral communication and breaking down the hierarchy of literacy skills that tend to be ingrained in the system and in the curriculum. So when we often talk about anti-racist education, we look at the individual and then we give the system a pass and not even willfully is sort of unacknowledged how the curriculum can facilitate this so that's been part of our uh, disruption in regards to audio content i'm glad you use the word audio content because where does the podcast fit into that space um you're creating audio content where are you sharing it we always would articulate that the podcast is something that you're sharing and pav and i as an extension of our podcast we always also do a live radio show so there's a difference between a broadcast and a podcast and audio content. And how does that fit into the space? And what are you trying to do with that audio content? Is it a means to facilitate a student choice and voice and how they want to display their learning? So they're, they're doing a math word problem. They want to explain it on a Flipgrid video or uh, any sort of audio space to create content. You don't have to be, but you can just record it on your phone and submit it that way. Or is your, you're doing your podcast because maybe you're trying to make an instructional video and you want to have access to a greater audience or you're making a school newsletter, you're trying to connect to community. Maybe you have something bigger and you're trying to reach a more global community so you're using your podcast to access that way perhaps you love the vibe of a live radio show and so you want to go into the broadcast space so audio content i'm just glad we talked about audio content and then we sort of figure out what is my audio content where is it placed what am i trying to do with it and Pav, so please go fill in all the appropriate uh voids that i have left here in this rambling answer of audio content creation no, I don't think that there's any rambling involved here. I think you brilliantly highlighted the many different facets of audio content and what that can look like and why it's so meaningful to students and why is it so important for different learners uh, to express their learning and their education. Um, I'm just going to add a little bit when it comes to the professional development uh, and educator part side of things. Um, I think that the, the importance of audio content and, and many of these spaces that you have highlighted comes from the efficiency that it offers. And I think that it's much, much easier to engage in audio content uh, in terms of multitasking. And, you know, we can be listening to this content while we are engaged in other tasks, while, you know, if it's, if it's a visual, if it's, if it's like a Zoom webinar, you know, there, that requires a different level of engagement. And so you have to be present and sitting in front of the camera or you could be, you know, doing other things, but you're still listening. And so I think that that listening aspect has, has really taken off because people really enjoy listening to content while they're at the gym or out for a walk or out for a run and or folding laundry or, you know, doing things around the house. And so I think that that accessibility side of things is what makes it so useful for educators when it comes to professional development. I think that that will trickle down to students as well in the future. And so I think that that's also something very important to think about. And I think that's also why so many of these spaces have taken off uh, so well and everybody sort of wants to get in in that area. 
I love that. I, you know, one of the things that, um, I'm, I'm often talking about in regards to educators is like you said, that multitasking. And so when I was in the classroom, um, I used moat and, you know, people would ask Mm -hmm. me, why are you using moat? And I said, well, the first thing is I can individualize this feedback. I can do it really quickly. And those students are hearing my voice. So it's as if I'm there with them, even if I recorded, you know, while I was on a walk last night or whatever, I do think it really serves, um, so many different learners. And I agree with you, uh, in all regards, I think it just trickles down. That's always been my thought. If the leaders are doing something, it's going to trickle down and the students are going to benefit. So speaking of student benefits, Michael, do you have a question? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I want to just quickly jump back to a point Jay made at the, um, at the, on the previous question uh, on the cultural importance of storytelling. Uh, and honoring uh, oral communication. I think that's something that I've never really been exposed to in the past. And I think sounds really, really interesting. Um, and I know that there's a the phrase you use, uh, something else that I really like is how to elevate and amplify student voice. Um, so what is it directly that the students benefit from this process? What are the takeaways inside the classroom? I think that the first and foremost, the, the best part of what podcasting can offer or creating oral content or creating any sort of audio content in the classroom is the differentiation side of things. I think that Che you know, highlighted that so perfectly when he was talking about that the, the cultural uh, aspect of, you know, not every culture around the world has uh, you know, a written means of, uh, you know, disseminating, disseminating information, much of that is oral storytelling. And so that storytelling comes very natural to many, many different areas around the world. And, and, you know, we live in such diverse communities, and we teach in such diverse communities, that is certainly a way that we are honoring those different voices that, that are in our spaces. And so having that as an option really opens up many avenues for success for students. And so providing that differentiation in, in that regard, but then also when it comes to producing content, audio content, we're not just, you know, it's not just about talking into a microphone, there, there are so many different aspects of creating podcasts, like the graphic design side of things and creating graphics to go along with the podcast. There's the audio and video editing, the post editing. So there are a lot of students that gravitate towards that side of production. And so, you know, there are a lot of students interested in that side of things, but don't necessarily want to be sitting behind the microphone and speaking into the microphone. They're not crazy about, you know, having that, that kind of attention, but really are very interested in, in learning how to use all of the editing software and all of the different ways that they can elevate themselves or elevate their own abilities through this, this content creation. So it's, it's, you know, that has really opened up a lot of doors. And as Che and I have been doing this with our students, um, we've really seen that side of things shine for them when it comes to creating different parts. I don't really love sitting behind a microphone, but I really love the post-production. I really love, you know, sharing on social media and learning how to embed all of this on the website. And, uh, and so there are so many different avenues that students can get involved in. And I think that that sort of voice and choice um, that we are able to offer students with a project like this in the classroom has really helped to uh, for students to tap into different strengths that they may have. So, yeah, no, I really I'd, like I'd add on. 
I'd add on just a little bit to the oral communication. Uh, you know, a lot of our learning on this on Indigenous cultures has been through Kalinda Klein, and she runs a great podcast called the Anti-Racist Educator Book Clubs. And they t she talked extensively about Indigenous knowledge and wisdoms being passed through oral storytelling, group storytelling. And then she talked a little bit about the eradication of or of erasureism of culture through the one, the dissemination of, of language, not allowing language to be taught or embedded in culture. And language, of course, is powerful uh, speaking and sharing of stories. And so we really disrupted ourselves to learn a lot from listening to other people's audio content to realize how important it was to honor oral storytelling and to realize whose stories, whose cultures are being erased by making everything format into a, a written and, and read, writing and reading format. So, Pat, just to add on to those great things you talked about, about all the different ways you can engage in sort of that audio content creation is uh, some of that learning regarding oral communication is just, it's been our learning that we've been lucky enough to share through our podcast experience. I love how, how you said that it disrupted your pedagogy. I have a very similar story in my own classroom where I had been teaching for 17 years and suddenly my entire thought process of how that learning environment is supposed to look um, was completely disrupted. And I love that everything that you're saying really speaks to the fact that you were preparing your students for their future and not ours. And that's something that I talk a lot about. I talk a lot about student empowerment, student voice and choice and student leadership. And, and you guys are really doing this in your classroom, giving your students that space. So when I talk about preparing students for their future and not ours, besides student led and created podcasts, what else do you believe educators might explore in learning spaces to prepare students? I think it's about um, having sound methodologies and pedagogies. And I'll, I'll make a sort of a, a story and see how it connects. When we talk about math or science, say, sometimes we just dive right into the curriculum, right into the formulas. But when we talk about social emotional learning, it's not just how you greet your students at the door. It's like, how do you alleviate stresses within the content? And the greatest way to be socially emotionally informed is to disrupt your content so that it does this. And one of the ways Pav and I have really fixated on this is how we go to embed storytelling in every subject. So often as a, a language teacher, you're sort of gifted a very easy opportunity to diversify your text or use oral communication. But if you're only using it in that compartmentalized space, then students only associate it with that subject or in that content. But you're trying to associate, say, oral communication or storytelling or immersing in stories throughout everything. So we've really worked to make sure that um, we're embedding stories, no matter what we're working on, whether it's history, whether it's geography, whether it's uh, health and physical education, there's a story, there's a read aloud, there's something to connect on a bigger scale. And what that does is it, it's, we try to humanize everything. So math isn't about a formula, it's an emotional journey. And so when you think about that big learning for students, how do you make them appreciate that everything is part of becoming human or recognizing who you are? We often talk about self-actualization, but it's very tough to actually learn who you are. You really have to dedicate a lot of time and immerse yourself in a lot of content. So on this idea of how are we preparing students for the future, we always embrace the emotionality, the, the humanistic side of everything. Look for stories, hear people's personal experiences going through things. When you think about methodology, yeah, you have student choice and you have inquiry and you have questioning. And when you talk about disruption per se, disruption is a pedagogy. So how am I being a disruptor all the time? Not because just in some singular subject, I say it's time to disrupt this. Actually, this should be a mindset. So we're curating mindsets of curiosity and disruption. And I would, um, uh, 
connect disruption to social justice, but I would connect disruption to questioning. When you hear something, do you question? And does your question lead to you going to try to find the answers? Because just because you question doesn't necessarily mean you're engaged in your thinking. We know our students. Sometimes the question is a means to, to get away from diving into the content, but are you willing to question and then explore yourself and then collectively explore um, together? So in regards to how do you teach for the future, I think we, we, we want to teach a certain amount of mindset, but we always want to be checking in with our students because I'll, I'll go on another little tangent. Pav, you can point at your watch at any time. Um, as, as, you know, we often talk as teachers, well, the teachers don't need to know everything. You don't need to be the leader. You can defer to your students. Let them lead the way. Let them lead the way. And as much as I believe that, and I want to believe that, is that what our students are thinking and feeling? Because you always got to recheck with our students. I think sometimes we think with our best intentions, we often, not that we willfully don't want to ask for student voice. I think we think we know student voice and we don't check in with it as often as we need to. And so on a conversation I had with my class about content delivery, and I would say, how do you want me to teach this? Do you want me to front end this? Do you want me to teach with an example? Do you want me just to share a story? Do you, like, so you give them different access points. And one theme that always came back is for students' level of comfort is the teacher to have a certain level of mastery. And so that whether you're directly teaching it or not, they're comfortable that you can direct that content. And that doesn't mean the pressure is on the teacher to know absolutely everything, but you also just can't let students sort of go off on their own, uh, assuming that they'll so, totally got learning if they don't feel there's sort of a comfortable space. I don't want to say safe space, a brave space in order to say they want to dive into learning, but they know to the core, the teacher is there with a little bit of mastery of their content. And I think the a lot of time when you sort of try to understand education through social media bites, you get this idea that the students take the lead, the students take the lead, and the teacher sort of sits back. But you can sit back, but you've got to facilitate that right. space. And there has to be a, a, a safety blanket of yes. students knowing that I can come to the teacher when I need the teacher. But also, you got to check that every single day. Mm -hmm. I made that comment about safe space. Whether a space is safe, I would probably argue you're never in a position as a teacher to affirm any space is safe. They're brave spaces. But who's feeling unsafe in any particular moment can always shift based on the content, based on the social dynamic. And, and so this plays into that classroom culture of mindset and pedagogies mm -hmm. and always checking in with your students. So what do they need for the future? They need you to be tapping into them. You need to be checking in with them and trying to create methodologies and ways of sort of going through content and including stories and humanizing everything. And if the three of you can decipher three key points out of that, please give it back to me <laughs> so I'll know what I said. Yeah. That was incredible. Everything you said was incredible. I love how he, how you said um, embrace the human side of everything. I was thinking in a math classroom when I was growing up, which I won't tell you the year that I graduated high school, but there was a, a level of shame in my math class because I would go in and feel like I didn't know anything. And the teacher definitely did not make me feel like I was in a brave space. I sat in the back of the classroom and barely passed that class, but it's because I, I believe we weren't back then thinking about the human side of everything, right? And, and creating this brave space. And I didn't think it was okay for me to say that I needed help because there was an expectation that I should, this is so weird to me. I expected as a student that I should already know everything when I walked into the classroom. And the right. truth is, why am I there? It's to learn, but I didn't feel safe in learning. Um, and so I love that you said the human side of everything, because I've never thought of it that way. It needs to happen in every class, storytelling, brave spaces, not just in an ELA classroom, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And, and just to touch on a little bit of what Che was talking about earlier, 
when it comes to uh, content creation, but also con the quality of the content consumption that we're teaching mm -hmm. students as well. So uh, that is definitely something that we need to be preparing students for as well as they really get into more of this uh, storytelling and more of the content creation in so many different yes. areas. So, you know, how, how does that improve the quality of the consumption that we, because you, we can't all just be creating and not consuming any content. And so, uh, you know, talking about just to, just to piggyback on what Che was talking about um, as well, just, we need to be working with students to, to make sure that they're, they're understanding the content that other people yes. are creating as well and appreciating it on a little bit of a different level. Yes. So good. Michael. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think the three takeaways um, that, I, <laughs> that I will, that I, that bear on my mind um, is certainly the element of inclusivity uh, mm -hmm. within the classroom. And I think that's from my education uh, experience when I was in school and I went to school in a, in a small town in, in, in the south of Ireland. So perhaps is uh, very different to the experience that everyone else here and, and a lot of our listeners will have had. Um, but I think inclusivity and that element of community uh, and then the third point being the brave space um, is, is a brand new concept for me. But I think if that was applied to the culture of the classroom and also applied to the mindset and approach uh, of, the, of the education and of the, the students learning, I think my education experience would have been totally transformed uh, and would have been totally different. And um, and I think just the, the general takeaway from the conversation that we're having is, is the importance of storytelling, which is a concept I think I'd always have engaged with um, because, you know, I've always liked writing stories and uh, engaging with, with film. That's kind of like how I learn. That's how I engage with people is it's kind of understanding their story. Uh, so I think if that was more prominent in my classroom, it would have really changed my attitude to learning. Uh, and changed my relationship with education generally. Um, so I think that's really powerful. And I, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners will uh, really understand and engage with that in a way that perhaps um, they haven't experienced in the past. Um, on the topic of storytelling, and I'm going to do a bit of a, a rogue segue here. <laughs> um, and I'm, I think we've uh, had great time for, uh, for recording this podcast because The Magnificent Microphone is your new picture book. Um, we'd love to learn a little bit more about that. What are the key themes? Uh, what age group is it most applicable for? Um, if I go to you, Pav, and to learn a little bit more uh, about that. Absolutely. Yes. The Magnificent Microphone is our picture book. It was just released uh, two days ago. So it is available now. And uh, many of the themes that we have talked about today in this conversation are, are strong themes in the book itself. So it centers around uh, two characters, young Che and young Pav, who, uh, you know, tell this sort of origin story about how they got into their own, um, you know, podcasting journey or audio content journey. It's not quite clear yet where it's going to lead, but they discover this, uh, this microphone that helps to elevate their voices. And so there's definitely this, the theme of inclusion, this theme of technology, of community, of voice and choice, and of, of differentiation and of, you know, being part of these brave spaces where, where students are able to speak up and speak their minds um, and be able to do so and feel good and confident about the content that they are delivering or the things that they want to say. So that definitely is something that comes through and it, and it mirrors 
a lot of our journey as podcasters, Che and myself, you know, we have often spoken about um, uh, being just two teachers, and we don't mean that in a deficit sort of way. We, we mean that as this is something, this is who we are. This is what we have, uh, you know, explicitly done in our careers. We have been just two teachers and you know it doesn't elevate us it doesn't make us any better than any other teachers we go through the same experiences that everybody else does and we love to be able to highlight so many of the amazing things that we have experienced as teachers but also many of the challenges as well and so um, if our you know relatively small voices can be elevated through this journey that we have been uh, embarking on for the past two years then anybody's journey can also be the same and so it it, it is very much a uh, a story that that is being told about us um, as much as it is for these two, you know, pseudo fictional characters um, in the storybook. And, and it really is a, a great way to um, introduce uh, storytelling, audio content into the classroom and podcasting, if that's the, the route that that students want to take um, in order to elevate their voices and, and how that can, um, you know, be done in the classroom setting or just on a personal side as well. Yeah, and I think for for all of our listeners that are looking to jump into the uh, into the topic more and, and bring uh, the the topics that we've discussed today into their classroom, uh, this book is a really great place to start. As you say, uh, where can people buy it? So the book is available on Amazon, and it is also available through uh, Codebreaker, who is the uh, publisher of the book. So Codebreaker Edu. Uh, dot com slash books and so all of their amazing books are available there as well as ours and uh, amazon.com.ca.co.uk all over the place um all i mean we know some people who have purchased it in australia already so um it is available everywhere on amazon that's so exciting i'm gonna go buy my copy right after this just so you know (laughs) (laughs) well that leads us to my favorite part i mean this whole podcast has honestly been one of the best podcasts i've ever done (laughs) you guys are incredible i am fangirling over everything that you do your work your passions how you come across i think our community is really going to benefit from everything that you've shared today but this is my rapid fire question segment that i do with everybody so michael and i have pre-talked about what we're going to ask you, but in true rapid fire, uh, form, you can't take a ton of time to think through this. It has to be like whatever comes to your mind right away. Um, so Michael's going to start us off with the first question. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'll jump straight in here. Finish this sentence. Technology is blank. Fun. Uh, challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So my question is, uh, you only get one meal for the rest of your life. <laughs> what do you choose? <laughs> Protein shakes. <laughs> I thought He's you were going to go with. I thought you were Why are we with, laughing about that? <laughs> I thought you were going to go with pre-workout. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, the good. Very good. Um, I'm probably going to go with pizza because I can oh. change up pizza in so many different ways. It's yes. so funny. You don't know this. You did not know this prior to this, but Michael and I talk about pizza every week. <laughs> every week we talk about pizza during our weekly meetings. And usually every week, Michael and I go for pizza separately because it's Absolutely. a great go-to. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, Absolutely. Michael, next question. Sure. So most rewarding thing about writing this book. 
Oh, oh self-actualization, knowing more about myself. That was going to be my answer, too. But I would say I I uh, saw you going to say that. I saw you were going to say that. So I got to get this first. I got to lay claim to this. I'm going to say learning about the learning about the behind the scenes process, Mm -hmm. because that's something that I had no idea what goes into, you know, publishing a book. So that that has been really like a huge learning curve for myself and so rewarding. Absolutely. Uh, now for the super serious question that I have, what oh is the picture on your phone lock screen or wallpaper right now? <laughs> Mine is my kids. So wait, let me Aww. see. Pull it up. That's oh, there that's it is. Nice. So me cute. and my kids. I guess I can show mine, but the problem is mine's only two of my kids and my third daughter, she'll say, <laughs> why am I on that? <laughs> It's such an old photo. It's so cute. I couldn't take myself to take it down. So uh, sorry, Esme, you're not on that one. But Devin Riley, you made the cut. That's awesome. We've really landed you in it there, Chase. Sorry about that. Um, Another another very serious question. Uh, If you had to just watch one TV show or movie every day for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, There's so many great movies out there, shows. I'm going to have to say, just because I love this show so much, it's such a happy, happy show, and I can't wait for the next season of it, but I'm going to say Ted Lasso. Knew it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with Sherlock, because he often Mm. describes himself as a high-functioning psychopath, I think, or sociopath, and and I've taken that line and called myself a high-functioning introvert. So I'm going with that one, Sherlock. That is great. great. A high functioning introvert. I think I'm the same way. I'm going to start using that. Um, And Ted Lasso, you know, I'm a bit, I told Michael before this, I think I would have chose Ted Lasso, um, but it changes for me pretty, pretty often. Yeah. So um, this last question, what never fails to make you laugh? (laughs) Che. I find Che hilarious and he just makes, he doesn't even have to do anything and I start laughing. Tav and I have had this conversation because I say I, I often feel really bad about myself because I just don't find people or things that funny. And sometimes I feel bad when Pav tells me a joke and I don't laugh and I go, sorry, Pav, I, I, I really wish I found you funny, but it's, it's, it's my own problem. I just I don't get, find a lot of humor and everything around me. So I actually just take that as my own issue. And that makes me laugh so much. <laughs> that is funny. I see why he makes you laugh now. (laughs) Um, So to wrap things up, can you please tell our listeners and our audience where we can find you? Yes, absolutely. So chainpav.com is sort of our home base for everything, but we are on all social media. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, It's uh, at staff podcast. And then myself and Che are also very active with our individual handles on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. We're, we're all over the place and we're very accessible too. I want to add that we, we love to chat with people. So please send us a DM, please send us a message, send us an email um, info at chainpav.com. We'd love to hear from everybody. I love it. Do you have any last words that you want to share before we stop recording today? Che, anything well, to add? Well, nothing of importance, but something of, um, <laughs> 
I mean, like academic importance. Like I, I just max myself out on my academic capacities. But I certainly want to say thank you for gifting Pav and I a chance to to chat with both of you and have these great questions and and to share in the journey. Because every time you talk with folks and you share your story, um, you learn a little bit more about yourself, and then you're gifted a chance to learn a little bit more about uh, both of you. So thank you for gifting us time to connect with you personally and connect with your audience. And and we hope that more collaborations and and more chances to connect uh, manifest from this. So thank you. Absolutely. Yes, I want to uh, just reiterate what Chase said. Thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation <laughs> and a real opportunity to, for us to chat and, uh, and chat a little bit more about some of the things that we're up to as well. So thank you again for having us. Absolutely. What a pleasure it was to hear from you. And yes, I hope I get to meet you soon. I'm going to start manifesting that because I really want to meet you in person. Michael, thank you so much for co-hosting with me today. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Michael also makes me laugh hysterically, um, and he doesn't really find a lot that I say funny either, which makes me laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, we, we are so thankful for both of you just taking time out of your day to meet with us and share with us and, and tell your story. Um, and make sure all of you listening and watching that you also uh, go follow all of their social media accounts, connect with them, DM them, go to Amazon, find their book support them in that way. And also make sure that you check out the Wakelet podcast. You can go to www.wakelet.com slash at the Wakelet podcast to see all the different podcasts that we've done. Um, all of our team is hosting different series. So you can go back and listen to those on Spotify or iTunes or YouTube, whatever works for you. Um, also we're on all the social media channels at Wakelet, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, <laughs> TikTok, YouTube. I think I have listed everything Michael have I forgotten any <laughs> I think you're good I think that's a lot of them okay thank you all for joining us we'll see you again next time have a great day thanks so much <laughs>